Hello and welcome to Gravda's Wins Conversations. I feel incredibly lucky to have Tanmay for today's conversation. He has been a pioneer in sketchnoting and has become a solopreneur to play in the creator economy. We are going to explore creator economy and how one can play in it. Hope you will enjoy this conversation. Hi Tanmay, welcome to the conversation. Hey Joseph, uh, thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, I'm delighted to be meeting you again through this platform and thrilled to be here. Thank you. So let's start with how you started with sketchnoting and especially I want to know how you created a niche for yourself in that sketchnote. Sure. So, you know, I think uh, the, the story goes like this, that I was a new manager in year 2006. Um, I was always fascinated by the process of writing. So I started documenting my lessons as a new people manager in 2006, and I started writing a blog. This blog was named Q Aspire because I was in quality domain back then. I think I still am in the quality domain today. So I, you know, there was a fervent aspiration to deliver quality. And that's how the blog came into being. I thought I was writing for myself, but very soon I realized that I was writing for others. So my writing was a service to others. There were people reading my blog, people commenting on it from across the globe. And so I started seeing my writing as a service. And if I'm offering my writing or my ideas as a service to others, then the challenge is how do I make it better? So in year 2009, I wrote my first book, which was called uh, Quality Tweet. And this book was a collection of 140 chapters, every chapter being one tweet, about 140 characters, and 140 such chapters divided in sections like people, process, and leadership. And the book went the book was the first one of the first tweet books in the world and uh, it made a very good impact on people who read it people who used it in their meetings and stuff like that ever since then i have been on the lookout for ways to express myself more clearly and that's what brought me to 100 word posts i wrote three books after that um, until i stumbled upon sketch notes in year 2015 now I started this journey as a new manager in 2014. I started leading, uh, you know, one of the larger organizations, about 700 people organization, as as the head of country operations. So I was the country managing director, and it gave me a lot of playground to test my theories, to build a strong, mm -hmm. formidable culture. And so, when my experience started to grow, my need to put that out in a in a in a form and function that talks to people, you know, that's brain friendly. And by that time, I think information also started exploding. And so I started uh, with, I stumbled upon sketch notes thanks to one of my friends. Uh, his name is Abhijit Bhaduri. Um, and uh, I stumbled upon his sketch notes. And then I got started with that journey. And uh, the thing with me is that if I start something, I try to keep at it for a long time. Uh, so I started a blog in 2006. And since 2006, almost, uh, almost uh, 14, 16 years now that I've been blogging, uh, every single month I've written something or the other. So there's not, not mm -hmm. a single month or week where I would have not written something. So if I start something, I'm very consistent at doing it. I think that's my strength. Same applies to mm -hmm. sketch notes as well. But I started doing sketch notes in 2015. And by then, I had a significant audience on my blog as well because I'd written books, because I was part of Twitter communities and stuff like that. 
back in 2015. So I had an early moving advantage in, in the world of blogging. Um, and that's how Sketchnote started to happen. Then I started sharing my rough scribbles out there. People started liking it. So I started upping my game uh, by having better pen, better paper. Eventually in 2018, I invested in an iPad, Apple Pencil and started drawing it uh, you know, digitally and have never looked back uh, since, since then. Uh, after I started this journey, I also got opportunity to uh, work with some of the best-selling authors across the globe, uh, helping them illustrate their ideas, uh, you know, as ideas that were printed in their book in, in form of sketch notes. So it's been an incredible journey. I've worked with global organizations, uh, exceptional thought leaders who I really, uh, uh, who I really respect and admire. So it's been a wonderful journey so far, I must say. And uh, I think if I were to talk about how do I create a niche, um, I think that's it. That's a topic that deserves a different or sort of a separate answer to it, right? Now, this was my journey, yeah, yeah. but I believe that innovation happens at the intersections of two disciplines. Now, I could, mm. I could be a great leader, but if I don't know how to express myself out there or if I'm not comfortable with social media and using it for uh, disseminating my knowledge, it might not work, right? So I think that uh, the two things that I bring together is my 23 years of corporate leadership experience combined with the visual thinking experience. And when I combine those two things, a purpose starts to come out. My purpose since mm -hmm. I've been a business leader has been to enable better leaders and better leadership uh, within the organizations. What has happened is that Sketchnote is not a skill in itself. It is a tool for me. Mm. You know, And when the tool is used in a context, that has a purpose, niche starts to happen. So my, mm. my advice to people who are aspiring creators, you know, people might be good at public speaking, people who are good at illustrating, people who are good at YouTube videos, podcast, etc. My only submission to them is that do not look at what you're doing as an absolute, but look at it as a component of a larger system. Uh, look for intersections between two things. That's where differentiation will happen. Intersections are less crowded than absolute areas. And I think use your art as a tool to make a difference. Uh, influence, building a niche, having a lot of followers, having a lot of likes, all of that will evolve as a byproduct of the journey. Uh, mm. You know, I've lived in Chandigarh for uh, seven years. And if you enter the rock garden, the famous rock garden, there is a large stone structure there on which it's written, the journey is the reward. And I, mm. and that's been my mantra for last 10 years that I don't think about how many followers I have. I don't look at my website statistics. I don't look at my Twitter follower counts that often. What I do is I just keep doing what helps others. I keep doing what adds value into this world and doing it in a way that's unique to myself. That's a unique expression of who I am, whether it's my handwriting, the way I draw, the way I speak, the way I write. It's all unique to me. Now, if I package all my uniqueness, you know, into my work and apply it in a context and purpose, then niche starts to happen. It's not a goal that I want to create a niche for myself. My goal is to make a difference. Niche happens as a byproduct. How, how do you ensure that what you're putting it out is creating value? And also, how do you kind of go deeper and say, these are the things that are going to create value? Absolutely. How do you find Yeah, that? so let me take this example of sketch notes. Okay. 
Now, okay. I started creating sketch notes. And as I said, by then, I already had an audience. So first thing first, I believe that creators have to be on their own platform. They have to own their data. Mm-hmm. They have to own their content. That is absolute must, right? Having your own audience is the most powerful thing in a connected world. Otherwise, you can still have an audience, but you know it will come to you through platforms. Platforms are driven by algorithms and so on and so forth, right? So it starts with building, having your own audience, number one. Number two, uh, I think is that as a creator, as a, as a sketchnote creator, right? I try to look for how does this align to my purpose? And then I iterate, right? So every single drip of sketchnote that I share out there in the world may not be great okay but okay. once i get a feedback that okay this is a sketch note that uh helped i will say how can i make it better and then the next sketch note mm. even better and the next sketch note even better and so on so just to give an example that i wrote a, a sketch note on how to simplify work but there was so much okay. content in it that it that sketch note on simplifying the work was complex <laughs> so okay. so somebody told me so a lot of people praised it it was viral it was shared however a couple of people told me that this sketch note on simplifying work is itself a very complex right now that told me that every time i create a sketch note my challenge number one that feedback that i got is that it's useful but it's too complex now how do i make mm. it and simple right how do i add more colors to it how do i make it more brain friendly how do i only extract the most essential parts of the idea, right? Because I mm. my work as a service to idea. You know, you will, mm. as a customer, if you come back to me and say, I want to create a sketch, or I'll say, okay, it's not about me and you, it's about the idea. And two of us are in the service of the idea. My, my work, my sketch notes, my visual articulation, uh, visual synthesis, which visual co-creation is all, uh, in the service of the idea, because at the end of the day, I want to make ideas go far and wide. My sketch notes are simply a tool to do it. If my ideas spread far and wide, I will basically have better leadership. I, and that's why I think it's important to connect your art with a context. My context is organizational and business leadership. How can we mm. how can we make better leaders? How can we cultivate better leadership within the organization? And if that's my purpose, my sketch notes are a tool. And when you start sharing it out to the world, people who are sharing the same context and the same problem statement with you would walk up to you and say, hey, this is fantastic. This is great. And that feedback sort of fuels the pursuit. It fuels the journey. And that's how the journey goes forward. It it defines what next step will you take? Uh, Because as as it is, I don't look at the whole journey and uh, create a three-year or five-year plan. What I do is I'll say, what do I do today? And then based on the feedback, what do I do tomorrow in next month, next six months, right? So... It's a very iterative sort of process, uh, but but feedback, having your own audience, marrying your art with the purpose, and you know, you, really using it to solve important problems uh, is important. Leadership is one problem that we have in organizations, but the other problem we have is that people are bogged down in information. There are mm-hmm. platforms, there are books. Everything is craving for your attention. You're scrolling all the time. How do you make sure that you create something that people sit back and take a notice that they consume and it helps them, right? So Sketchnote solves mm-hmm. that problem. Um, the subject of my Sketchnote solves an organizational problem. So if you look at it, right, it's a part of solution statement. It's not about how great I am. It's not uh, about how wonderful my drawing or handwriting is. It is about the idea, servicing the idea in a way that it reaches far and wide 
which in turn leads to behavioral change, which in turn leads to better leadership, better organizations, you know, and, and I think that makes the whole difference. So you can see the chain that it's not about, uh, it's not about art or um, it's about ideas and it's about serving the ideas well so that they go far and wide. Wonderful, uh, Tanmay. We can go into multiple directions from whatever that you have said, yeah. but I want to switch gears and talk about you recently became a solopreneur after a very long stint, as you said, uh, in corporate sector. So how did you take that decision and how has been your journey so far as a solopreneur? So I think, uh, you know, just with everything else in my own career, which was mostly unplanned, but, you know, led to the right places. Um, you know, the COVID actually accelerated the great uh, awakening, uh, so to say, uh, after being a corporate leader for mm-hmm. 23 years. Uh, COVID really allowed me to sit back and reassess my priorities and thinking about what could I do, what are my strengths, uh, you know, and wanting to live a life that is inside out and not outside in, right? We are mostly driven by external mm-hmm. demands and external KPIs and whatnot. Uh, I thought uh, now is the time after 23 years that I could step back and live an inside out life. What that means is that I've already been successful in a corporate career. Now, how do I become more significant in what I do? So Mm. that journey was from success to significance and uh, from outside into inside out. And I think uh, I already had the tools. I had this rich experience. I've been doing leadership trainings, workshops, coaching, um, you know, executive coaching, performance consulting, et cetera, for almost last 10 years, uh, you know, on Mm -hmm. and off. So I had that platform. I had visual notes. I have been visually facilitating teams. I have led a large organization and stuff like that. So all that experience combined, I I thought that this might be a formidable offering where I could maximize my impact to more than one organization. And that was simply the idea that how do I maximize myself out so that more than one organization can benefit from what I do. And that pursuit um, led to companies like Microsoft, um, you know, very large organizations like Microsoft in the U.S. and several other global customers uh, coming up, walking up to me saying, hey, uh, we want you to help us with this. We want you to help us with that. And the, and the nature of work I do today is very diverse from working with authors to illustrate their ideas to working with, um, you know, company directors to coach them, uh, working with organizations as, you know, non-executive board members. So there are a lot of different things that I do today. It's creatively far more satisfying. Uh, the impact it Mm. makes us visible and uh, it's been a wonderful journey so far yeah uh of course like i'm at good luck with whatever that you are going to do and as you rightly said you really don't know what is going to come in absolutely so you iterate over it so i only wish that you do uh more of that uh Thanmai, when somebody is looking at okay now i want to play in the creator economy mm. i want to be a solopreneur using my whatever talent that i have what are the first steps that they have to take especially what kind of mindset that they should develop mm-hmm. in, in pursu- pursuing that particular goal? I think the first thing, uh, you know, if you look at, if you connect the dots from my journey, it is what I have learned is that yeah. if you want to be an independent creator who wants to add value and, you know, assuming that you, you're starting with purpose, I think the first thing we need is the mindset of generosity because mm. we have been trained to keep knowledge to ourselves not collaborate, you know, really compete with people who are doing similar kinds of work and stuff like that. And the mindset of generosity, the mindset of abundance says that that there is enough for everybody and we should just focus on what we are doing and try to do it best. And what that means is working out loud, putting your process out there, 
putting your lessons out there. I think that's very important. The second part is about building audience. Now, building audience is not easy. It took me like 15 years to build a follower on my blog, you know, a subscriber list that is decent. Um, it took me 15 years, 16 years to uh, have, let's say, tens of thousands of views coming onto my website and so on, right? So I think what has underpinned the whole journey is generosity and what I call three C's of leading and learning on social media, which is creating, curating, and contributing. Now, what I mean by that is that we have unique ideas, unique experiences. We want, we should be able to create new stuff and put it out in the world. That's step number one. Step number two is we need to curate, which means that like-minded people are sharing a lot of their lessons and learning as well. How do we put all of that into a frame that people can relate with? That's curation. And then the third is contribution, which means that if Joseph has a great idea and if Tanmay has an idea that adds to Joseph's idea, then I should be able to comment on it. I should take that idea further, maybe write a, a, sec, a, you know, a, a complimentary blog post, you know, stuff like that. And generally build relationships because thriving mm -hmm. on social media is not about media, to be honest. It is about being social. Mm -hmm. It is about being mm -hmm. social, which means the way we are talking today this is a social act. This is a conversation that's enriching both of us at the same time. And probably the listeners who will listen to this podcast, right? And so we have to focus on being social without focusing too much on media. The problem today is that creators get hung up with what platform should I use? Um, how do I, what tools do I use? How do I set up my automated workflow and stuff like that? Those are problems that you can easily tackle later on. The first problem is how do I build my own content? on my own platform so that I'm not dependent on the algorithms uh, such that, you know, I'm able to serve my audience. Mm -hmm. That is at the heart of, uh, that is at the heart of it, right? Finding your niche and finding your uh, intersection where you want to play. The second is consistency because a lot of people I've seen is that they start, you know, putting things on Instagram. The moment, you know, there are a few weeks when likes go down, Right. They will switch to Twitter. They will go on to blogging you know, then leave it and then go on to something. So they're always looking for the next shiny object. My, mm. my submission is that once you own your own platform, which is in my case, my website or my blog, uh, I think we need to be consistent. Keep at it for a mm. long time without getting bogged down. As I said, mm. not look at the journey and outcomes, but look at the steps. That's where it helps. Because today I'm not worried about what should I write on Medium or should I write on uh, get review or whatever, right? Newsletters and stuff. I write on my blog. My blog has RSS subscribers. People will get it. It's a form of newsletter in itself. I don't need to use mm. any other service for newsletter. My blog itself is a newsletter if I if I use it, you know, sort of that way. Um, yeah, and I think uh, in terms of uh, creating, you know, I think one of the best advices that I ever heard on this, on creating, you know, a consistent uh, flow is from Austin Cleon. He says that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he says that create stock, right? Create a flow of work, right? Write every day on your blog, tweet every day. Once in a while, take a stock of all of that, compile it into some form. That's it, mm. usable form and convert it into a, uh, you know, uh, into a stock material. So, right. So go with the flow, do things every day. Once in a while, pick what's useful from that, create a stock and you know, maybe, you know, offer it to your subscribers, share it online, maybe sell it, whatever. Um, but we have to constantly get in touch with ideas. We have to constantly iterate over what works. 
and then sort of do do that. So I think uh, if I were to uh, summarize this mindset of generosity, um, you know, creating, curating, and contributing, uh, being consistent and showing up regularly, you know, with a mindset of generosity, with a mindset of building relationship with people is very important. The last thing I think is important from a mindset perspective is lifelong learning, which means to say that how does this help others? Constantly asking that question every step of the way, how does this help others? What problem does this really solve? How can I do it? Mm. How can I make it better? And what change will this bring about? If I'm able to constantly question, like this is my three question checklist for every creation that I put up. And if a creation does not meet any of these requirements, so let's say it does, it's, it falls out of place, then I will probably create it, but not share it. It will be for my consumption, not for yeah. the world's consumption. You know, so I think that's the mindset that creators need to have uh, and focus on the long game because th- there are no shortcuts in life. Um, and creator economy in itself is so crowded these days. And I was reading a statistic which says that uh, of, of so many people who are in creator economy, only about... 10% earn a really decent living. I think less than 10% earn a really decent living. The rest mm-hmm. of them are still struggling. Mm-hmm. The part-time creators, full-time, their employees in some companies and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of uh, that uh, chaos that's out there, right? The way to stand out of chaos yeah. is to focus on the long game uh, and differentiate yourself that way. Lovely, uh, Tanmay. Another question that I have is, in the spectrum of artist to an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. how do you handle that? the 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 conflict that comes in between that being an artist and an entrepreneur how do you so you're it? putting your finger on a painful nerve i must say uh, because it's, it's never been easy for me and uh, i think uh, you know as a as a solopreneur um, you get to sort of create you have to create you have to do the normal business stuff uh, you have to send proposals you raise invoices you talk to customers, understand their specs and stuff like that. It's, it's a lot of work, right? And a single creator, I mean, a solopreneur is just very limited in that sense. So it has not been easy, but I think I've over a period of last one and a half years that I've been into business, I've learned how to deal with it. So what I do is that on my calendar, I have blocked my time for delivering services. So one of the things I do is I work with global organizations and authors and deliver services to them, whether it is training, teaching, coaching, visualization, graphic recording, visual facilitation, whatever that service or offering is. It needs to be on my calendar, right? And Mm. so that's one thing that time blocking is. uh, So part of my day is blocked for creative, uh, delivering creative services. I also build products. I also build information products and stuff like that. So part of my week, is devoted to creating, um, you know, products and stuff like that. Luckily, I don't have any sales effort because uh, all my mm. all the sales happens in in a pull mode, right? People walk up to me, then we talk, and then something starts to happen. Uh, I also uh, put out time for teaching and establishing, you know, really establishing routines for reflection and retrospection. Because in the in on the treadmill of doing, we need to step down once in a while, take a breath, assess what we are doing, why we are doing it, what difference does it make. So. I think that for solopreneurs, they need to step down the treadmill of, of creating and consuming and spend time reflecting and retrospecting on what they've done, how they've done it, what difference has it made to them, to others, right? Uh, how can they up their game? What's, what looks like their plan for next three months? What are some of the most common sense things, sense things that they could do from here and so on? So I think people have to, most people don't spend time reflecting and retrospecting and therefore learning happens, but it is not consolidated because you're never reflecting on it. And establishing routine mm. on your calendar for reflection, 
I think is a very powerful technique uh, that has sort of helped me. And then the final thing I want to say is that choose wisely. You you cannot be everything to everybody. So you have to choose your uh, customers wisely. You have to choose your pursuits wisely. Uh, you have to experiment in short bursts so that you don't spend too much time doing something which doesn't sell or doesn't make a cut, right? So you want to make sure that you are choosing things wisely. And I think that's the real entrepreneurial work is not to raise invoice. The real entrepreneurial work is not to find customers. The real entrepreneurial work is to choose what's most effective. Mm. Wow. Fantastic. This is, a, this is a very short MBA that I have uh, received. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Thalmay, on that. See, uh, as you said, one of the statistics that you talked about, only less than 10% of the creators, they make a decent living. Now, I'm assuming that is, or rather, let me put it this way. In the US, there are a lot of people who are playing in the creator economy and they are making decent living, maybe even if it is less. Will that work in India? So I think uh, when you're playing in creator economy, Right. You are essentially playing to a global audience because mm -hmm. creators work on internet and they are sort of more broad based in that sense, which means that I think that anyone can become a creator as long as they are engaging their audience uh, in innovative ways. Right now, mm -hmm. it could be the audience could be India, the audience could be US, the audience could be right uh, anywhere in the world. But I think the key is that we can we have to believe that we can become a creator. That's number one. Mm. If you don't, mm. if I start my creator journey as a side gig, uh, not completely believing whether it will work, then I'm going to put half-hearted effort. Then I'm not going to be committed. I'm not going to be consistent. I'm not going to be practicing my work. I'm not going to do lifelong learning around it because I'm not convinced this will work. Right? We don't spend energy on things we are not sure about. So one thing, the first thing yes. is start yes. with that belief. The second is, I think, uh, you know, uh, is that we have to have fun along the way which means that we have to ensure that our work helps others, but in a fun way, right? Because when you're a creator, um, you have to define your audience very clearly. My audience, for example, is people who are senior business leaders, aspiring leaders, uh, you know, executive coaches, consultants, and people who are responsible for spreading ideas within the organization, in the society, and so on. Now, that's my audience. Everything I do is for in the service of them. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that create whether we can thrive in creator economy or not, it, it depends on how we take that journey in our head and start from there. But I personally believe that uh, anybody can be a creator. Now, there are challenges along the way. Uh, the platforms are still evolving. The business models are not really clear. Uh, there is a lot of noise. There's a lot of competition, which means that platforms are actually squeezing the creator's money, you know, and they're charging mm -hmm. 10, 20, 30, up to 30 percent of what creator earns. Now, that's, that's why I think it's important that we build our own platform or own audience, right? Now, not everybody is able to make consistent money. That's a problem. Um, you know, platforms eating away. So there's a lot of this thing and it needs a constant mindset of hustling, right? And hustling is, uh, hustling is uh, a great word in the entrepreneurial world. People use it all the, very often. However, I believe that hustling is not sustainable if you want to really build a long frame business, right? Therefore, I think that, uh, you know, focusing on your journey without focusing too much on the destination, taking one step at a time, seeing what works, right? Interacting with people, getting feedback. I think it's it's underrated, but very important. Okay. And how do we approach them? I think I've answered some of that, but I'll still uh, yeah, go okay. and summarize that. We, know, we need to build our own audience. Um, we need to have our own platform. 
that should be the hub of all our work. And then social media platforms could be spokes that bring the traffic to your website. But we have to adopt a hub and spoke model. We have to show, we don't have to sell. Now, this is big for creators because the moment I talk to someone online, the first thing I do is I introduce myself and say, hey, you know, I have this to offer, I have that to offer. And people immediately get disconnected. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we have to show our work and take every conversation with a mindset that I don't want to squeeze this conversation. I want to add value to the conversation. And then business automatically happens as a byproduct of that conversation, that relationship, uh, that like, that likeliness that you create out of your work and around yourself. I think that brings a lot of work. I've had customers who've been working with me for more than five years now. And so it's, it's you know, even when it was a side gig, I had customers with, you know, working with me. And now today they are like full-blown customers, right? Uh, we have to also understand that we have to build for what makes difference, not build for what makes it viral. You know, there are, if you go, mm-hmm. to, go to social platforms, there are, there's so much of content that's aimed at being viral. Now it can be viral today, but tomorrow it's forgotten. My theory there is that I, will focus on creating stuff that has a long shelf life. And the key question I ask myself there is that if my daughter who is 15 years old now, or if my son who is 10 years old now, if they consume this content after 10 years, will it still be valuable? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for longer shelf life, maybe timelessness of the of the idea before I convert it, because those are the ideas that the world needs more of. We need gentle reminders and nudges about what is right and what's wrong and how to, how to do. So I don't build for virality. I build for delivering value and then virality happens as a byproduct as I, and that's exactly what this focusing on the journey means uh, to to me. And then I think the final thing I want to say is that we have to support other creators because creator economy is not easy. And uh, instead of looking at everyone as a competition, if we start collaborating with people, exchanging ideas, sharing our knowledge freely, I think what happens starts to happen is that the ecosystem starts to lift itself. And that's how we grow together. That's how we learn together. You know, communities are powerful. Uh, whether you like it or not, you are a part of community. Why not choose them uh, more authentically uh, so that uh, they add value to your pursuit and your pursuit add value, adds value to that community. You know, you, you said about your audience, you are very clear about your audience, yeah. but you also talked about supporting the creator economy, the fellow creators. Yeah. In that aspect, are you doing anything? How can people approach to you? When I say approach to you, it is not for you know free. I mean, it could be that uh, paid uh, service as well. Uh, it could be an information product that you are putting it out. It could be a course that you are creating. So how what, what are you doing in that particular uh, uh, field? So what I'm doing is that I am a part of a very thriving community of uh, leadership practitioners, um, thought leaders at a global level. Uh, you know, I've worked with about six of the top 50 thinkers in the world so far. And the, the journey continues. Um, so I'm in touch with, uh, you know, a community. So I know what the community really needs. I'm also in touch with the community of people who's, who offer services similar to mine, which means that if there's an opportunity where I need to, uh, offer leadership coaching, but at the same time, also create their talent strategy, right? I have people who are into talent strategy. If I have to, let's say, do process, uh, remodeling for, let's say software services company, for example, you know, so I have a high level view of how that works. I've done CMMI, I've done ISO in the past. However, I choose not to invest my time into it, right? So I will have a network mm. of associates that I've created very carefully. So I basically help them. They're all solopreneurs. They're all doing their own thing. However, that's the future of work that we'll have a project, self-organizing community, people coming together for a cause, then 
you know, the, the team get dispersed and there's next project where they might call you in for something. And that's how the whole ecosystem will work in the future. Right. And, and even today it's working. So it's not like I'm not trying to be futuristic here. It's their current reality that we most creators are a part of self-organizing networks where people come together, work on something substantial, then they go back to their code. So, yeah, that's that's just a high level view of how I think about it. Uh, I totally agree with you on that, uh, Tanmay. Uh, a couple of years back, I wrote a blog post saying the future of jobs or future of career is going to be like the Hollywood model. Yeah. It's a it's a network of experts. Absolutely. Like uh, the most example, most quoted example that I always give is uh, A.R. Raghman and Danny Boyle. They came together, yeah. created a movie and they reap the rewards, but they don't work for each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they don't work for a company as well. Absolutely. And, and subsequently, they came back and created, uh, collaborated on a project, reaped a pie. But again, they don't work for each other. And, and you are coding a similar metaphor and similar thing in practice that you are doing. Absolutely. So wonderful to hear that, uh, Tanmay. Uh, you already said you don't plan for future. Mm -hmm. But now that one and a half years you have been in Solopreneur, what does future look like for you? What are the plans, at least for the next three years or so? So uh, what does it look for you? <clears throat> it's interesting because, you know, I have a bouquet of services that I offer to the customers. And over past one year, I now have a fair sense of what works, uh, what brings more value to my business, what at the same time brings more value to my customers and as well. And I'm trying to scale up some of those areas that I think have a potential to grow bigger. Uh, however, as far as, my own work in uh, in the artistic domain or let's say in the ideas domain is concerned uh, i will continue to do what i'm doing i'll be as consistent as i used to be in the past so consistency doesn't change the purpose doesn't change i think the methods will evolve from there but one thing is clear that i think uh, once you step into this exciting world of solopreneurship exploring possibilities talking to so many interesting wonderful knowledgeable insightful people it's very hard to go back into the the uh, into a, a routine organization where you are given the first day you're given KPIs and a bunch of people to manage and stuff like that. It's I think organizations will thrive if they are able to inculcate this spirit of exploration, the spirit of leadership, the spirit of creativity, the spirit of adding value without worrying about when or when or where or how much will my next paycheck be. Right? I think. What I've seen in as a, as a leader of large organization is that most people are the systems that are there to help people do better are the systems that are stifling their creativity. Right? Mm. KPI is a mm. great example. You're given KPIs and then it limits you into a certain box and then you just do things in that box. And when you step out into the world, you are just, uh, you know, you're just very limited in terms of your mindset and, and how you see things and how you experience the world. And I think, uh, that's what my pursuit is. I want organizations uh, to build a culture where people thrive, uh, where people are free uh, to experiment, where people are okay to fail, okay, without having to worry about whether that will impact the salary increase or not and stuff like that. Um, and that's my purpose. That's that's what I stand for, which means I do not have a particular disorientation with the organizational life. I've been there for 23 years, but I think that if as an independent creator, as an independent contributor, as an independent solo professional consultant coach, this helps me look at organizations more objectively as an outsider and be able to offer solutions that 
will certainly help them raise their own bar, whether it's their culture, their leadership, their talent, uh, you know, their strategic frameworks and whatnot. So, yeah, I think uh, that's that's uh, a crux of my, I think my long-term plan is to stick to the business, stick to making the difference, stick to being consistent with what I put out there and be authentically me and bring out my full expression in form of work, whether it's a service, it's a product, whether it's a conversation like this. My challenge is, my constant challenge will be, how do I bring my most authentic, uh, most truthful uh, expression out there in whatever I do or whatever I say? And so that's, in, in a nutshell, my business plan. <laughs> um, so one of the things that did not come from you in this whole conversation is being a role model. But by being authentic, by being generous, that is what you have become. Lot of You have inspired a lot of people, not only in the sketchnoting arena, but in almost in all of the creativity uh, uh, aspirations mm -hmm. and pursuit, you have become a role model for that. So thank you very much for that. I'm not saying only from my side. I'm saying it from a lot of people that I have interacted. Uh, I'm conveying that particular thing. Absolutely. You know, it's very humbling to know that uh, people look up to me for what I do. However, I think uh, it doesn't change the fundamentals of what we just discussed. Um, and I think even being role model is a byproduct. It's people's assessment not my assessment so i mean i wouldn't declare myself as an influencer thought leader whatever i would just say that i'm a practitioner uh, who adopts a mindset of generosity abundance uh, and shares the work out there uh, in a hope that it makes difference that it change ha changes habits uh, and it changes the culture that our organizations today have lovely uh, tanmay uh, tanmay one of the characteristics that you said is generosity and i I have seen it. I have seen it in the last uh, 30 minutes. I have seen it in many of the sketches that you have done and you have freely shared those things. You didn't charge for mm -hmm. them. So thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you for being generous with the time. Thank you for generous your generosity in sharing your ideas mm -hmm. and your practice and your experience in the solopreneur uh, journey. I thank you very much for that. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to be speaking to, with you, uh, Joseph. Uh, and uh, it's just great to share what little I know about how the world works, uh, especially in the creator creation side of things and an expression side of things. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, I really cherish this opportunity to, to uh, make a small difference out there. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Please share what you liked in our conversation on social media and tag us. Have a life of wins. <laughs>